Thank you. Thank you. Who enjoyed the snow? Put your hand up if you love the snow. You got, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I find that generally in life you've got two people. You've got the people who love the snow and the people who hate the snow. And uh, I'll tell you about who, my, my, who I am. You, I won't tell you what type I am, but I'll tell you how. So I got sent home from work on, on Thursday afternoon. Um, so I was having to work from home. I didn't get the day off, unfortunately. Um, I know, it's tough. I wasn't, wasn't off for sympathy then, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. Um, and, and so what it, was, it was kind of like I was kind of sat on my desk, but the thing was I knew it was snowing. So I was, li- I was literally every three minutes, I was like, over to the back window. I thought, it's snowing, it's still snowing, mum. And I'll run across to the front window. Yep, looks like there's more out that side. There's more out that side. And I, you know, I just love the snow. And I, I don't know if you know the scripture, you know, that sort of, my, that my sins like crimson, you know, your blood, blood makes me white as snow. And when you look at the snow, when you, when you saw it on the ground, actually, we've got, we've got a little Jack Russell called Lucy, and, uh, and she occasionally does poo in the garden. It's what happens. But actually, what, you know, when the snow comes, it, clean, it gives such a clean effect over the whole garden. And when you look at the garden, you don't see just sort of the, the, the dog mess. You see just a clean white sheet. And that's what Jesus does for us. You know, he generally does. He gives us that clean white sheet. And I'm excited um, to bring the word this morning. Uh, the worship was off the charts, wasn't it? Was it, was it? it was off the charts. It was ridiculous. Uh, and, a, and a really, really good um, so, yeah, so we've been looking at a bit of a series. Uh, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the My Jesus, My series. So Dad kicked us off uh, with My Jesus, My Foundation. Uh, and then Tim followed up with a great message on My Jesus, My Fuel. Um, and then Han last week brought that really, really powerful one on My Jesus, My Fullness. And this week, I've, I've been given the task of unpacking My Jesus, My Friend. What a topic, what a friend he is. You know, I've been following Jesus um, since I've been seven or eight, so about, that's about 14 years now. Um, and I want to tell you that actually across those times, I've learned a couple of things. Um, I've gone through periods of um, extreme intimacy with Jesus. There's times where I've walked really close, but there's also times where I feel like I've been a little bit further away than maybe I would have liked. And actually through those times, I've learned quite a lot. Um, and I've learned quite a lot through um, looking at stories in the Bible of other people who walk similar journeys to what I'm walking. I've found Jesus to be the most faithful friend, the most gracious, the most kind, you know, the most forgiving, the most willing to hear me, the most willing to advise when I give him the opportunity and I stop just ba- rambling on, you know. He loves it. He's, he is just loving who he is. He's my, I have no... I have no qualms saying that Jesus is my favorite topic to talk about. And when I talk about him, it does something inside my spirit that comes alive. That when I begin to speak of who Jesus is, it begins to really, it really sort of rejuvenates me. And you know, if you're going through situations in your life and you kind of feel like you need some rejuvenation, begin to speak Jesus over you. Tell yourself who Jesus is in the mirror. Yeah? Tell yourself who Jesus is. Jesus is love. I know he loves me. I know he's got a plan for me. You know, begin to speak that stuff. You will see so, so much change in your circumstances, in your situations. I want to look at, um, I think that when you talk about friendship and you talk about Jesus, you can't move away from the, from the disciples. You can't. Because they are Jesus' closest friends that we see. And I'm going to particularly draw out of Peter's friendship with Jesus. If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to uh, Luke 5, 
Um, we're going to go from verse, verse 1 to 11. It says this, it says, One day, as, Je- as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, this is Simon Peter, its owner, to push it into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go where it is deeper and let, your nets to, let, let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others around him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as, listen to this bit, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. You know, I, I, I really love this story. Um, and one of, the, one of the things I love about the story is actually, when, you, when, you, when, I, when I thought about it, there's lots of things that don't change in the story. What doesn't change is the nets. The nets don't change. The boat doesn't change. The location of the boat doesn't change. It's worth Peter's been fishing all night. The only thing that's different is the fact that Jesus has divinely directed them to say it, put your nets down again. Put your nets down again. And actually, there's situations in our lives that we're walking around and it's stagnant and it's empty. And Jesus, we, do, we need the word of God to speak into the situations to begin to see, actually, when he speaks, we begin to see fish in our nets. And the empty nets, bleh, they're gone. Jesus doesn't deal with empty nets. He doesn't deal with empty nets. What does it mean to be a friend of Jesus? I think the first thing we learn from Peter is it means that we have that divine direction available to us. You know, all time. We've got that divine direction that we can follow. Jesus wants to speak to us. John 15, 14 to 15 says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father tells me. Jesus doesn't hold stuff back from us. Jesus doesn't hold stuff back. He doesn't know what's best for us and say nothing. He knows what's best for us and speaks into our lives. The difference is how do we respond? How do we respond to that? You know, Peter, Peter, Peter says in verse 5, he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and we didn't catch a thing. But, but, if you say so, this is my prayer, that if you don't take anything away, that you pray this over yourself every day, that in the hardest situations you say this prayer that, that Peter says, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Yeah? If you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I want to tell you this morning that your butt is the doorway to your breakthrough. Your butt is the doorway to your... Dad spoke before about the big butts of the Bible. Your butt is the doorway to your breakthrough this morning. You know, Mark 10, it tells us a story about a rich man. And he comes and he comes to Jesus and he asks, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. Don't kill, don't steal. And the man says, yeah, yeah, I know that. I've, I've, I've kept all them since I was young. And then Jesus says this in uh, Mark, Mark 10, 21 to 22. He says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Love that. 
There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The same calling that Peter gets. The same call, exactly the same calling that Peter gets. Listen to the next verse, different response. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. You have two responses this morning when God speaks divinely into your life. As a friend, we have that access. He wants, he's going to speak into you. You choose if you respond to it. You can choose to respond like Peter and says, but if you tell me, I'm going to do it. It's hard. I've done it. But if you tell me, I'm going to do it. Or you can walk away. You can walk away sad, held by the stuff that held you before. That man came. He, he'd, he'd, the thing is, he, he knew the commandments. He'd done the commandments, but he hadn't because he hadn't understood the heart behind them. Because his possessions still possessed him. You know? And you know, Peter could have disqualified himself. He could have... Uh, he could have said for any of these reasons, he could have said, Lord, I'm tired. I've been out all night. I've been out all night. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I've already tried it, Jesus. I've already tried it. Didn't work last time. I've tried it a hundred times. I did it all night. Didn't work. I'm going to look like a book. A big one. This happens to, we, we live in this point a lot. I'm going to look like a book, Jesus. You're telling me, you're telling me to go and put my nets out again. I've just done it all night. Every sort of, all my friends watching me. I'm going to look like a burk if I do it. That sounds familiar to my life, you know. I want to tell you that this this morning, you know, your excuse your excuses can excuse you from what God's got for you. Yeah, your excuses can excuse you from what God's got for you. As friends of Jesus, we both have access to this divine, to this divine. What switched it off then? This, you know, this divine direction that he gives us. But it requires something on our behalf. It requires obedience, you know. It requir- requires obedience. The second thing um, that I think that we, uh, we learn from Peter is, and, and what sort of a friend Jesus is to Peter and, and vice versa, is that Jesus is a great adventurer. He loves to take us on adventures, you know. And the thing about Jesus is, he's a great adventurer because he takes us with him. You know, he doesn't, do it, he doesn't go solo. He gives us the chance to come along with it. The thing about Jesus' adventures are they're so great. And I, I want to tell you that great adventures are never comfortable. They're never easy. So don't go expecting a great adventure that's easy because you won't find one. You know, in, in, in my experience, I think the reason Jesus loves to adventure with us is because he wants to give us stories to tell. He wants to give us stories to go into our workplaces and say, oh, yeah, this weekend I just went out and I just was prayed for somebody and he was healed. Those sort of stories, you know, they can really revitalize somebody's life. That is the gospel, pure and simple. You know, my dad has always said, whatever you do in life, have a story to tell. Have a story to tell. What is it? Washing the dishes. How can I have a story? What story can I tell like this? You know? My uh, dad and I uh, this week, if you're on Facebook, you might have seen this. We embarked on an adventure of our own. Um, I'll give you a bit of backstory to the to the to the sort of the the occasion. Um, I know you didn't ask for it, but I, we, uh, we 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 was, it was it was obviously snowed all day Thursday. I couldn't get into the office on Friday, so I was working from home. Um, and uh, and sort of dad and the rest of the family they uh, about sort of late afternoon on Friday gone for a, a nice sort of snowy walk. And I was, I was kind of penned in, really, because I had to, had to stay on my emails because I knew that uh, my manager could email me. I didn't want to be sort of caught in the snow um, and not working. Um, but by the time that they come back, it was a little bit, it was a little bit, little bit later on. And they'd been out for about an hour, about an hour and a half. Um, but I just wanted to get out in the snow. 
You know, I was frustrated about being inside all day. I wanted to get out. I wanted to build a snowman. I'm 21. I wanted to build a snowman. I'm saying it. You said I was more mature. Yeah. You, you know, I wanted to build, I wanted to build a snowman. So, so uh, kind of, I, I kind of get my stuff on. And, and dad is a good dad. And he, and he goes, and he kind of reluctantly, as it, as it, as it kind, of, kind of was, had he been out, already been out in the snow for an hour and a half. He's kind of like been there and done that. Um, I was like, oh, let's make a snowman. So we, we started making a snowman. And uh, I don't know if you've made a snowman before. It's, the snowman procedure is to, you know what I'm talking about. You start like, with a small ball and you start rolling it. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The problem was the snow wasn't having it because the snow was quite, uh, quite fine. It didn't want to really pick up very well. So we, uh, we kind of packed that in. That, that wasn't going down very well. So what we, what we just, I said, I was passionate. I wanted to get, I wanted to get, get, in, get this done. I was like, let's build an igloo instead. I, I, I'd had enough of being in, sort of sat at a computer all day. I said, let's build an igloo instead. So dad kind of goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of puts on his best face for me. Then kind of go, as I'm there going, Let's try an igloo. So we try a bit of igloo. First 20 minutes, it's, uh, it's tough, the first 20 minutes. The first 20 minutes are tough. It's a lot of shoveling snow into one big pile and then just kind of like skirt around the outsides of it. Um, and eventually, we get past the first 20 minutes and we, and we, get, we keep on building it. And have we got some, have we got the, have we got the, Alf, have we got the pictures? Just caught Alf napping at the back. Sorry, Alf, I surprised you. That's, that's, that's Dad. And this, that's me. That nose there, can you see that nose? Yeah, that's me, that nose there is me. Have you got, is that, is that, is, is that, you got the video there? Oh, no, no that's fine. Uh, but essentially what we did was we, uh, we, 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 built, the, we built the igloo and we, we got in. Um, there, yeah, there it is. We were very proud of that. I'm a bit too enthusiastic. Like I said, look. Like, that's a 21-year-old and a mid-40s man building an igloo. And we look, we look, we look way, too, uh, way, way too happy with that. But what I want to say out of that is actually, you know, the best adventures we go on, they, they're really, they're, they build our relationships. You know, the, I could tell you hundreds of stories just with my dad of adventures we've been on that have built the foundation of the relationship that we have. And our relationship with Jesus is the same. It's exactly the same. Is that there are, he wants to take some adventures because he wants to build the relationship that we have with him. He wants to build the trust. You know, that snow could have caved in at any moment. It could have gone. We would have been done for. Mom was having a, tea, a cup of tea inside. She wasn't, she wasn't paying any attention. You know, and actually there was a point. There was a point, like I said, in the first 20 minutes when we thought, this is hard. This, 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 is, this, is, this, is, not, this is not easy. We looked inside through the, through the uh, sort of the patio door. See mom there having a cup of tea, watching the TV. And Connor goes, oh, that looks, uh, that looks all right. That looks all right. Could well be slaving out here for the next hour and a half, building a, uh, that. It is an igloo, by the way. It does look like an igloo. But I think that, I think that Peter's life proves this. I think that Peter's life proves that even though you know, it's, you know, it's tough sometimes, you look, at, you look at the journey he goes on and read it this week. Read it. It's ridiculous. He goes, he goes through some really challenging times, but he sticks out. It sticks out. I want to read Matthew, uh, Matthew 14, 22 to 31, if, if you turn with me. This is, this is just after they, uh, Jesus fed the 5,000. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted all his disciples got back in the boat and crossed to the other side of the lake whilst he sent the, the people home. 
After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he says. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if, you're really, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. He goes on to fall in. But I love that. I love what Peter sees in the boat when he's stood in the boat. Because he understands this about Jesus, that Jesus loves adventure. And he sees Jesus on the water and he walks past the big waves in the natural and he sees what's happening in the supernatural. And as, as, as friends of Jesus, as Christians, we, sh- we have access to that thing where we look past the, the sort of the adversities that are in the natural to the adventures that are ahead for us in the supernatural. Yeah? You know, I, I, uh, I think that when Peter sees Jesus, he sees him standing in the water and I think he's look, and, he, and, he, and he says to himself, he says, if you can do it, I wonder if I can do it with you. I, I, I think that that's a question we should be asking ourselves more. You know, as Christians, if Jesus does it, is doing it, has done it, read his word, read what he does, we can do it. We can do, we can, look, listen to this, John 12, I'll tell you the truth, this is Jesus, I'll tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. You can do more than what Jesus did. Jesus did ridiculous. Go and read what he did. You can do more than Jesus did. Do we? Do we? That's the second thing. Jesus is an adventure. He's an adventuring friend. He takes us with him. Third thing, he's a forgiving friend. Now, I like like Peter. He makes huge declarations, you know, ones that he often can't back up. But he does make one where Jesus says, who do you say I am? He says, you're the Messiah. He understands. I'm going to read Luke 22. I'm, I know I'm jumping around. I, got a little, I went old school. I went a sort of the Bible with sticky notes to, to tell you where I'm going. I'm going to jump around this passage a little bit. This is the Passover. Tim's already read it. I'm reading Luke 22, 14. Uh, and it says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. This is the Last Supper. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now, I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. You know, he goes on to talk about um, how he's going on to die. And we skip down, we skip down to verse 33 of 22. And Peter says this, Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. But Jesus says, Peter, let me tell you something. I love the NLT. He says, Peter, let me tell you something. Nice, sass. Before the rooster crows three times tomorrow morning, you will deny three times you even know me. Yeah, Peter, verse sixty-one. Uh, is you see that you see the moment after Peter's got denied. So, so, so you, you get the point of going. Peter saying, "I'll never, you know, I'll go to prison. I'll die for you, Jesus." We make statements like this all the time. Can't always back it up like Peter did. Peter goes. He walks to the. the Jesus is arrested. They take him to the high priest's uh, house. Peter follows to his courtyard. And he gets to the courtyard, and, he's, and as he's going to the courtyard, I reckon he's still going, I'll go to prison for you, Jesus. I'll die for you, Jesus. And he gets there, and a little girl comes up to him. Says, you know Jesus? No. 
no, you must know Jesus. I don't, I don't know. Somebody else comes up to him. You're a Galilean, aren't you? You uh, know that Jesus guy? Never knew him. Verse 61, just off the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Verse 62, I wonder if you've been there. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. I've been those, in those times where, I've, where you know, I kind of made big statements and then I can't, I can't really back it up. Jesus goes on to uh, die for the sins of the world. He takes every single person's sin, every single one of your stuff that you've done wrong, and he dies for it, including Peter. We've got to rewind. We've got to rewind a bit because I've jumped ahead. I've jumped to 61 after 33. I want, you to, I want to read just before 33 and what Jesus says just before Peter said, I'll die for you. Yeah? He says this. He says this in 31. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Listen to this bit. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brother. Jesus knows. Jesus knows he's going to not deny him. This is not a, this is not a surprise. He's, but he says he's been praying for him. Lesson as friends, Jesus doesn't harbor one ounce of negativity. He, had, he could have done one ounce of offense at what, what Peter was about to do to him. He said, I've been praying for you, Peter. I've been praying that when you get it wrong, you don't turn away. Romans 8, 33 to 34 says, Who dares accuse us of whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us, and he was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of the honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. He's pleading for you. Let it sink in. You know, he is sat at the place of honor, at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he's not relaxing. He's not going, having a nice iced tea, eating a bag of crisps. He's pleading for you. He's pleading for you. What a friend. What a friend. You know, Jesus, he, he rises from the dead uh, and he appears to his, his disciples um, behind the closed doors. But then he, he meets them on the beach. And uh, I love this. This is, this is my favorite story out of the ones I've shared. This is my favorite one. And it happens in John 21, 3 to 8. I'm going to read it quickly. It says, Simon Peter said, this, this is after this. So Jesus has died. Um, and the disciples are kind of a little bit lost. Um, and Peter says this. He says, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, listen to this, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul it in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple that Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped in the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they're only about 100 yards away. I want to I kind of uh, tell you what happens here is Jesus turns up at the beach. He goes, lads, lads, have you caught any fish? They say, no. He says, put it on the other side. Put it on the right-hand side. I wonder, I have a, quite a vivid imagination. I wonder in that time if they were kind of on the boat going, hang on, this is familiar. 
Do you get a sense of deja vu around it? Could that be? Could it be Jesus? Could it be Jesus? And they pull in the thing and there's fish in there. And John, the disciple, that he calls himself the disciple of Jesus' love. He says, it's the Lord. And when it says this, when Peter heard that, the thing I find funny about this is, why wasn't Peter looking out like John was? And I reckon it's because Peter was doing this. I reckon he was sat at the back of the boat. And you know what was running through his mind? That courtyard. That courtyard where he denied Jesus three times. We know it actually sits with him in tradition all the way to his death. Because he, he doesn't feel worthy to die the same way as Jesus. So he asks if he can be crucified the other way up. So it's something that sticks with him a long time. But then he, in it, in it, he, he kind of goes, but then when he hears Jesus, I love this response. I love this response. He's kind of like, I imagine him like doing this. and like, He's about to jump in the water and then his brother probably says, Peter, you're in your pants. Look, it says in 7, it says, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, brackets, for he had stripped for work. And like, put on your pants, he back, tunic back on, he dives in. And he dives in. What a response. What a response. And actually, we don't read that after this, that neither does Peter ask for forgiveness. There's, there is repentance, I'll explain why. And neither does Jesus say you're forgiven in direct words. But I, I, I was wondering, I was like, oh, why is that? What, if, if that was me, I'd be straight up there. And he might say it, but it's just not recorded. I'd be straight up there and say, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry, Jesus. And I think it's because, actually, your actions speak louder than the words. You know that really cheesy cliche? Your action, Peter dives out of the boat. He dives out of the boat. The boat's not that far away. The others just, it says the others just rode in, rode in the boat. He's so passionate to get back and meet Jesus. For me, that's his repentance. You know when you come to Jesus again? That's repentance. I think that Jesus doesn't need to say you're forgiven because when you meet forgiveness, which is who Jesus is, you just know. You just know. I wonder this morning, do you know that forgiveness, when you meet him, you're forgiven? You know, Peter does... uh, does quite a lot of cool things. And he writes this uh, as an old man. He says, this is 1 Peter 3.18. He says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you home safely to God. I reckon, at the, as he writes that, I imagine him sitting in his kitchen, writing that down, remembering that beach. Remembering that beach when Jesus cooked breakfast for him. You know? Peter, Peter does... Bit, goes on to pioneer the early church and he, and, he, and he goes around, he spends his life after Jesus has ascended to, to the, sort of the right hand of the Father. He, he spends his life telling people about the gospel of his best friend. The stories, the adventures, the life he lived with his best friend. And the thing is, he doesn't, he doesn't stop after Jesus dies. Because Peter is in such good relationship with who Jesus is. You know what Peter does? When he's filled with the Spirit, he's, he's, he walks around. People would come and sit in his shadow and they'd be healed. That sounds like what Jesus would do. That sounds like what Jesus would do. I wonder how your gospel, I'm not just talking about your words, reflects the Jesus that you say you believe in. Because sometimes we can get caught in the fact of saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But when you go into your workplaces, you display a gospel, not with your words as such, because you can say, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I believe in that. But your, word, your actions can display an irrelevant, a boring, a distant God. And if you're doing that, I want to tell you that's false advertising. 
Because that isn't who Jesus is. Peter gets it. And you know why Peter gets it? Because he's got a relationship with Jesus. And I question that if you're looking around at yourself going, actually, my faith is boring. It's irrelevant. You're following religion. You haven't got a relationship with Jesus. You know, get in there. Get into the relationship with Jesus. He wants you. He's calling you to do it. This is a free. This is free. John, do you want to help me out and tinkle the ivories? Is that, is that, is that the right expression? How, how does your life reflect your relationship with Jesus? Your friendship with Jesus. I'm spitting. I want to tell you a story. Uh, and it's about a friend of mine, one of my very best friends. One of my very best friends. And uh, uh, I won't tell you his name, but he, uh, we, uh, we first met when I was 11. We was in secondary school together. And, uh, and we, uh, we lived around the corner from each other. So essentially that made us friends. And uh, we used to walk, I think we're pretty much for almost every day for five years, we walked to and from school together. After school, we went to college. We both studied the same course in the same class. I, I nicknamed him my shadow. After, my college, after college, we both went into accountancy. He went into practice, I went into industry. You know, and as, that, as this stuff was happening in just kind of on a, on a, on a kind of that's more of a professional level, on a, on a spiritual level, I had the privilege to watch him come to youth, find Jesus, get baptized, continue to follow Jesus and last year get filled with the Holy Spirit and you know the reason why this friend of mine was such a good friend he didn't always have the best advice and I I didn't always have the best advice for him probably but you know what what, what was real is that he was there we journeyed together we spent time together and the very last words of Matt's gospel says this it says Matt 28 18 to 20 says Jesus came and told his disciples I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Be sure of this, ready? I am with you, not today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, not no singular words, always, even to the end of the age. You know, Jesus is always there. He's always been there. He'll always be there for you. He chases you down like a shepherd looking for a sheep. You know, and he, there's nobody else on this planet that he designed to be who you are. He designed you to be you because he wants relationship with you. If he wanted the relationship with the next person, which he does, he designed them that way. Worry about you. He wants relationship with you. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't believe that. How can Jesus want a relationship with me? I'm messed up, I'm broken. And Jesus said, I designed you. Before anything, he picked you out and said, I'm going to design someone like Josh. There's not going to be anybody that's like Josh that walks the face of this planet because I want to have a relationship with Josh. And he does it for each one of you as well. I don't know, at school, there was these kids who were always popular, you know, the cool and popular kids. If you were associated with them, you were cool and popular, you know. I wasn't that cool and popular. And by association with Jesus, I'm not cool nor popular, really. What I am by association with Jesus is I'm alive. Yeah? I'm alive. I'm not just talking about I'm living and breathing. I'm really alive. It's the same side of my spirit that's alive. Actually, that when in the past I may have been dead, Jesus speaks his life into me. I'm free from the consequences of my sin. 
I don't have to walk around with bag, bags on my back, feeling heavy all day. I'm free from that stuff. I'm being filled every day. I don't need to be empty. And this last one. I'm not lost needing to be found because I've understood this, that I'm never more found when I'm lost in his presence. Jesus says this in John 15, 13. He backs it up. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He didn't say it. He did it. At the cross, he did it. He ripped the curtain, the curtain that had been set up to create a divide between man and God. He rips it. He ripped it for you. He ripped it for me. This is what friendship looks like. You would lay down your life for your friends. I don't know if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have a friendship with Jesus. You don't understand some of the stuff going, Josh, yeah, you talk about that. I don't really know what that is. I don't really know what that is. Or maybe you don't know if you do. I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity today to find, to meet, to encounter the best friend you ever have. The friend that will never leave you. The friend that died to take all the stuff that you've done wrong away from you. I'm going to pray a prayer and everybody's going to close their eyes. And if, if that's you, I want you to join with me. I'm going to ask you to respond at the end. Father, I'm sorry for the times I've got it wrong. I'm sorry for the times I've tried to do it on my own. I need a friend like the one Josh has been talking about. I need you to be my friend, Jesus. I invite you into my life right now. I give up the control that I have over my life and I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Every eye, stay, stay close. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer this morning saying, that I, I need a friend like Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. I want you to stick your hand up in the air. Do it now. Does anybody, anybody pray that prayer? Anybody pray that prayer with me? You know, if you don't respond to that, that's cool. My ego won't be hurt. If you feel like you need to respond and you don't respond, you'll walk away the same as you walked in. Anybody else? One last chance. Great. Great. You know, you can open your eyes. Do you want, Anna, do you want to take the rest of the band up? There's, a, there's another group of people I want to pray for. There's another group of people I want to pray for. I felt this as I was prepping it, and I feel it in my spirit now. You know that when Peter denies Jesus, he does something. He goes back to the boat that Jesus had called him away from. And I think that there may be some people here this morning, and you've gone back to the things that Jesus had called you away from recently. There are things in your life that Jesus said, that's enough of that. There's enough of that. He's previously said it. You know it. But actually, situations happen. Stuff happens. Life happens. And you find yourself going back to the things that Jesus has called you away from. Getting back in the boat is what Peter did. And Jesus wants to meet with you today. And I want to give you the chance, if that's you, respond. I want to give you the chance, the way that Peter responded, and by jumping out of the boat, you know what Peter does? He swims as fast as he can. He just gets to Jesus. And I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning. If you feel like there's stuff in your life that you've reverted back to that you know that Jesus has called you away from, 
I'm going to ask you, as the band starts to worship, will you come here? I want you to do something really simple. Just get on your knees. Just imagine, that's what I imagine Peter does. Get on your knees and we just receive it. He wants to meet with you today. Jesus wants to meet with you today. He wants to give you his forgiveness. He wants to give you his grace. He wants to give you that. You know, the thing is that Jesus waited for Peter again. Same, exactly the same as happened the first time. He calls him. He waits at the beach. He says, Peter, finger the to say exactly the same Jesus there's things in it, your life that Jesus is saying you need to lay that down again I've called you once I'm calling you again to lay that down if that's you Anna's just going to start sort of singing and the, the, word, the words to this chorus you came and I knew that you would come I think that Peter feels those words it's written about Lazarus this song it's written about Lazarus but I think that when Peter's in the boat he's going you came and he sees and he, and, he, and he realizes Jesus on the beach you came and I knew that you would come I knew you would come come and meet with him this morning if that's you I'll just come down as the band start to sing and uh, we'd love to have some people pray for you jump in you know don't miss what God's got for you this morning he loves to meet with us